Hello and welcome to another edition of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Ald. On this week's show, we talk to a man who has played for Inverness, Cali Thistle and also Elgin City and Peterhead as well. Delighted to welcome onto the podcast, Mr Liam Keogh. Liam, how are you? I'm great, Ian. Thanks uh, for inviting me onto your show. Appreciate it. Uh, it's good to have you on, Liam. Um, I got your number off one of your, your former colleagues. She was a guest of the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, Richie Hart. And uh, and Richie says you're uh, you're a man with some stories, so we're looking forward oh, to hearing. Ah, there's a few good, bad, and indifferent. And I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll we'll hear all about them, good, bad, or indifferent, over the next uh, wee while or so. Liam, I want to start by uh, well, we'll start by looking over your career. You um, Aberdeen born and bred, is that right? Yeah, Aberdeen born and bred, um, born and raised in Aberdeen. Played boys club football through the school system there, and I was scouted to. Um, play for Celtic you know at a young age I was going to, I mean back then it was a little bit different to how it is now um, I've got two boys young lads now mm-hmm. um, coming through the system at Carly Thistle and it's very different now where they're taking on at a young age that's it you're at your club whereas when I was young there was far more of what I would refer to as a scouting system where there were scouts from all over the country I mean I'm on about Scotland and England um, and they, they took in the boys club football the boys club football in Aberdeen was a big deal as it was in uh, Glasgow and um, Edinburgh and that as well wouldn't have been so much up up here up north um, even now you know you don't have, there, there isn't really the existence of boys club football but what I'm noticing is it's that's sort of going by the wayside as well even in the likes of, of Aberdeen because the kids are getting signed up you know so early mm-hmm. uh, um, so there's not so much of a requirement for the again the, the, the scouting system because the kids are getting picked up when they're 8 and 9 year old whereas you are out playing boys clubs I, I used to play for Aberdeen Lads Club in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and they nothing to do with the football club at all it was just um, an independent boys club and when you were playing you know you would see that there were scouts here next thing you know you'd get a letter through the door they would speak to whoever you know um, the coaches find out details you got a letter from the club through and that was your way in a trial so that was that was what happened with me went on various um, invites to various clubs and then obviously the dream came true when the the shout came from uh, Celtic Um, and then once I put you know the the years went on once I got to 14-15 starts getting serious um, as soon as Celtic sort of made it be known that they wanted me to go there full time I was in I was all in yeah because um to let the listeners into a a, a secret where um, we're currently recording this on on WhatsApp chat and uh, your WhatsApp profile picture is is yourself. I'm assuming the outside Celtic Park with uh, Lee Griffiths. So obviously there's uh, there's a Celtic connection there. What an opportunity, you know, as a, as a teenager to get the chance to go down uh, to Celtic. As you said, there you get the opportunity to go full time. So what is it? Nineteen ninety seven. Is that right? When you, yes, you head down there? I, yeah. That's right. Um, down there full time. Now I hadn't actually turned sixteen yet at this point. I was, I was still fifteen. I just finished fourth year at school. Mm-hmm. Done my standard grades. Um, decides to go full time. And I, I don't think if I remember right. I, I don't think I could actually sign the the, the pro contract until I, you know my sixteenth birthday. But I was down. You know, because my sixteenth birthday would have been the September. You know, pre season would have been June, July. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So down I went, and that was the, the first deal. There'd been a three-year contract um, at Celtic. Now, the thing was, you know, again, youth team football back then was was, was big. I mean, it probably still is, um, but it felt huge at the time. The big thing was the BP Scottish Youth Cup, um, and obviously the league, and then breaking into the what was then the reserves. Um, was a was a was a huge deal as well, um, but for my first season, um, it was only myself and Jim Goodwin actually, who's now Jim Goodwin, uh, yeah, at yeah, mm-hmm. St Mirren. We were the youngest guys there, um, and I tell you, who was down that year as well, full time would have been Scotty Kellicker. Scott Kellicker, of course, I. I uh, Scott Kellicker, and most of his team, they were probably the year above us, and most of that boys got taken on so I was like say 10 of them went full time at the same time you know and then there was um, the youth guys that were already on board from the year before and then there was myself and Jim Goodwin so myself and Jim um, predominantly that season we would have been playing under 16s so we would have been training full time through the week um, trying to get ourselves into the youth squad um, and even if we did get in the youth squad we would still have to play under 16 football at the weekend mm-hmm. um, so it was actually a busy time for us because we would actually train with the 16s on one of the evenings um, if I remember right it was like a Friday evening we would train with the 16s and we would play with the 16s on a Sunday and I think youth team football varied it was like through the week it was in the middle of the week you'd be playing with the youths um, and it changed as the time went on you know mm-hmm. reserve football went to a Monday night and uh, things like that but yeah the first season um, was a, a busy schedule for, for like I say myself and Jim Good it was a rude awakening into that whole uh, you know the, the intensity and the expectation at that, at that place was really high Willie McStay was the he was the youth team coach at the time and mm-hmm. it was um, it was actually take you aback about as to what they expected you know it was a massive emphasis on the the club the jersey the, the will to win and the fact and like I said that's why I mentioned the the Scottish Youth Cup at the time that was huge that was like Willie McStay never stopped going on about it you know I think they'd I think they had won it they'd won it the year the season prior to to me going full time um, and I think that season my first season full time they never won it I remember being there I was in a few squads I got a few games I was breaking in and they never won it and they never won the league it was a bad season for that youth team then and it wasn't until the following season um, the likes of Liam Miller came came over from Cork okay. um, so did uh, Colin Healy as well mm-hmm. um, myself and Jim were now established and that season there we went on we won the, the Scottish Youth Cup won the Glasgow Cup as well at Ibrox um, and that's where we sort of made started making inroads and you know pushing up the reserves and actually even pushing on in for the, the first team then as well and when you talk about first team, what a time uh, to be involved with Celtic as we, well, we, we look at this season, the big the big story of this current Premiership season is will Rangers stop the 10, but 97-98, of course, Celtic famously stopped the 10. What, have you, what are your experiences of, of being around the club at that uh, pivotal time uh, in the club's history? Oh, oh it, was, uh, it was intense. It was, there was guys there at that time you know, proper Celtic men. I remember Tosh McKinley, mm-hmm. um, Tommy Burns was sort of back in the scene. Um, 
you know, Willie McStay for us directly, um, the vibe, and I think at that time as well, Tom, well, Tommy had actually, Tommy had actually, Tommy Burns had just left in reality, and Bim Janssen had came in. Yep. Um, nobody really knew much about Vim Janssen, but I think if I remember right, I think he brought in Lambert and um, Burley. I seem to remember, like how Darren Jackson came on the scene. That there was the, the, the do you know what the, the funny thing is? There was a, it wasn't a panic. It was more a an expectancy of right, okay, that's it. We're going to stop it now. You know, yep. that's how it felt. That's how it felt in every game, every point. You know, everything was there was a desperation at the club, and it, it, it sort of went through the ranks. It came down to us as well. You know, everything was just so important. Every game. Um, especially old firms and it just resonated through the club down to us um, and I remember I remember as well being at Celtic Park there that day that last day of the season St Johnston and Brat back scored as well actually you know mm-hmm. Brat, he never made himself sort of famous at Celtic for scoring that many goals but he did that day and that was the day they stopped it and him that goal I think they went 2-0 at um, Celtic Park and they stopped it and it was the, the celebrations went on for a while. So were you at the in the thick of the celebrations? What were your what were your duties as a yeah, member of the uh, youth team? I, yeah, no, we were. Well, that day we were we were all in the thick of the celebrations. Um, but that's why I actually mentioned Tosh McKinley. Uh-huh. I remember Tosh McKinley um, being inside at the players' lounge, but he was still in his kit, still in his gear. And he was, he was. I think he had a bottle of wine or something. But he was leading the celebrations, and everybody that was in that players' lounge, it was Tosh McKinley. He was like, he was singing songs. He was starting all the songs off, and everybody was joining in. Whatever he did, they copied. You know, he was just, uh, you know, he was just absolutely, um, you know, you couldn't. There wasn't a happier guy in the place than Tosh McKinley. And it was so. I'm pretty sure as well that that season, when Henrik first came in, Henrik Larson first came in. He had, he still had the dreadlocks and that, and he was, he wasn't quite the hero yet. He wasn't mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the king of kings, if you like, yet. And I remember Tosh, and this is what I'm referring to with regards to the desperation at the club. I think the likes of Tosh McKinley picked up on that. There was the Henrik had a little bit of the Billy Big Spuds thing going on, you know, um, but he'd be, he'd come in for training in the mornings. Um, and they'd be warming up at Barfield. They trained at Barfield back then, just, uh-huh. just along the road, aye. Just basically, aye, aye. Just a social club, really, with a couple of pitches. And um, you'd see Henrik, and he'd be at the back. You know, they're jogging down the pitch, and he's at the back, and he's got the the jumper over his wrists, and that. And he's, he just never exuberated the fact that he was up for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And Tosh, at the time, if I remember right, he was in and out of the team. And he would be playing with the reserves, and we'd be on the bus. And he'd actually reference the fact that he, Henrik was doing his head in, you know. And I think that was all down to the fact that he was feeling probably, as a Celtic supporter, he was probably feeling what the Celtic support was feeling. You know that desperation that I referred to. Yep. And maybe he just looked at that like that wasn't desperate enough the way Henrik was carrying on. But he wasn't really. He wasn't carrying on. He was just being himself. Yep. And. I remember it coming ahead. I was there. I was tra- I was actually in training, and Henrik had been barking at. The- it was a game. It was a small sided game, and Henrik had been barking at the Tosh McKinley, 
and Tosh had been sort of battering away at him trying to get the ball off him Henrik took the ball at the feet and it got pretty rough and tumble and Hen- Henrik swung round and swung his arm at him and Tosh just unleashed a headbutt from hell and hit him <laughs> right, 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 right on the beak broke his nose and in fairness to, in fairness to Henrik he took it you know, he never went down he took it clean and everybody jumped in and stopped it but I seem to remember there being a an old farm at Ibrox maybe that week you know and, and that was a thing at Celtic by the way that was another thing uh-huh. um, and, that, and that, that came down to us as well there was a big thing on how aggressive you were in training and how you would take that into the game there was no there was no emphasis on don't hurt each other in training but there was actually a little bit of the opposite there was a little bit of you know let's see how much you want it them yards that I might have been a bit taken aback by that at the time but that, that was definitely a thing that happened but you know like I say at the end it was Tosh that was in there leading the celebrations <laughs> and I probably wasn't a happier man in the place so no yeah that's what I remember at that time it was just the, the sort of the relief um around the place was huge there wasn't a the, there wasn't a sense of panic it was more just that like, now we have to stop it now and they did uh, and of course Rangers fans will be hoping for uh, for uh, exactly the same this year uh, now yeah. you, you obviously you uh, we touched on there you're a big big Celtic fan and, and playing for the club or being involved in the club at that stage obviously that season was tremendous the the following seasons of course Kenny Dalglish would become involved John Barnes there's a Cali Thistle yeah. connection there, of course. Um, Martin O'Neill uh, comes in. You, yeah. You're sent out on loan to, to Forfar, um, yeah, 2000 right. 2001. Um, how do you look yeah. back on the... Well, well, we'll go on to, of course, your, your spell at Forfar and St Mirren, but how do you look back on uh, the, the, your time at Celtic those those couple of years? The thing is, I, I look back and I go, what was I thinking? Because the first... Like I said, see that first year going into the second year where we had a lot of success in the youth team <laughs> that was like going down there as like a programme machine young um, you know not interested in going out not interested in alcohol um, you know any of the things that can pull you away you know from doing your best completely uninterested so that actually then if you look at that that's me then 16 17 18 all of a sudden now you're 18 you're, you're a man and you might be a couple ups and downs you've maybe got an injury here an injury there you're not in the team or whatever all of a sudden now you find yourself out in Glasgow City Centre having mm-hmm. a few pints of Guinness mm-hmm. you know so you go from being a programme machine to then somebody who's probably not looking after themselves the way that they should be and then you go from someone who was put knocking on the door of the first team when you were 17 to now being 19 and you're not getting into the reserves you know, yep. and you look and you go, man, whatever, you know, you do, if I could have my time back again, I wouldn't, you know, I would try not to switch off the way that I did, it's easy done. I remember going in there and there was, there was a reserve team, when I, you know, when I first went into the club, the reserve team, they had John Paul McBride, they had a goalkeeper called Andy McCondicky, mm-hmm. and they had this... Um, guy who played centre forward called Mark Anthony, right? Now, these guys, I would say, they're up there with the best players I've seen. Andy McCondicky was like nothing. He was never, ever nervous. It's a goalkeeper. I remember him getting asked to come in and play with the first team out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, something had happened. There no goalkeepers available and he just stepped in like it was nothing. I've never played with a guy who could distribute the ball 
the same way as Andy McCondigy on the half volley and this was sort of before people were doing that yeah, Spurs yeah. were just putting their foot through it was all Pocky Bonner you know put the foot through the ball he was actually putting a bit of spin on it and half shelling it out to boys in the wings and stuff he was just phenomenal now where I'm going with this is the likes of John Paul McBride so I was like, oh, like a genius just I even teach my boys stuff now and go this is the J.P. McBride this is, this is a move that he done because honestly just phenomenal footballers Mark Anthony great finisher but he had a bit of a weight problem and a gambling problem and a drink problem and so did John Paul McBride and so did Andy McConaughey and these were the best players I'd seen so all of a sudden the best players at the club never never got close to making it mm-hmm. you know and I've seen, I seen so much so much of that and you, you look and you go no way and then three years later that's you <laughs> <laughs> you're making the same mistakes that they did I remember going in to train with the reserves just breaking in this would have been say a Sunday morning if they're still playing on a Monday it was a Sunday morning and you could tell just warming up that everybody had been out on Saturday night <laughs> you know it's working its way down the line smell of booze and this is guys about to pull on the hoops the next day. <laughs> you know, that's what was going on. And you think, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. You know, J.P. McBride and that. Uh, you know, uh, Andy McConaughey used to come up to you and you're breaking in. And he'd be saying, right, when I'm going to fizz the ball out to you, he says, if you don't take that thing in first time, I'm going to be on your case the rest of the game. You know, and he, to be, you know, to be fair, you're holding the ball up because he is going to be on your case but he had that the, the, the point being he had that bit of stature yeah. he had that where you, you're going if I'm going to play with the reserves Andy McConaughey's in goals and he's going to be firing that thing into me but then these boys fall by the wayside next thing I know I think he was working the doors or something in Glasgow and, all right, um, in fairness to J, in fairness to J.P. McBride I think he he did get I, mean, I think he went to St Johnston or something and then I don't know from there Mark Anthony went straight down to like Berwick Rangers mm-hmm. this was, and this was the best players coming through mm-hmm. so were you were you referencing you know me ended up going on loan to Forfar that's the way I was looking at it even at the time I'm going I can't believe <clears throat> no disrespect to Forfar Forfar were at the time they were struggling at the, the foot of the second division and I'll tell you who was there at the time Russell Dunk and he, yeah. was, he was playing right back at Forfar at the time yeah. And it's cool. There was a, there was some some guys that I played with Celtic went on loan um, in the lower leagues and that as well. But we just started. We put um, Michael Doyle and Liam Miller went on loan to I think it was a Norwegian side. Um, not long before this, and when I when Kenny McDowell came in, because we were thinking and putting you on loan, I was thinking along the same lines, <laughs> you know, as what Miller and Doyle had been doing. But instead, you got a four from like. It just it never <laughs> it just it just resonated with me where I'd let myself get to. You yeah, know? yeah. You, from I mean, being a, 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 from being a player who was knocking on the door to now one that's getting sent out and loaned at the second division, you know. And that's the thing is, as he mentioned there, those three guys at Celtic. There was a well, there's a lot of players um, over the years, Celtic and Rangers. Of course, of course, every club, but I think it's Celtic and Rangers is. Yeah, there's a lot of examples that the players that, that go on, uh, go on loan and, and go elsewhere, but there is of course you know examples, and we'll, we'll come on to that because you, you know, you come back to to play against Celtic yeah. in, in later years for for Cali Thistle. Yeah. You, you mentioned there you you obviously link up with a guy who 
uh, you play with for for a lot of your career, Russell Duncan at four for um, you yeah. you let go uh, by Celtic or, or released by Celtic. Uh, you you join St Mirren uh, and you're with them yeah. for a, for a, for a couple of months. Um, how did the move to Cali Thistle come about then? Two thousand and two. Is that was that a trial spell you had with him? Well, well, basically what happened there was I, I was I had these two guys at the time they were my agents mm-hmm. and when it came to be known Martin O'Neill was going to be letting us go and what's ironic about this actually the year the season that I got released I would say all in so that would be my fifth that would be my fifth season mm-hmm. right I would honestly say that was probably the best football I'd played okay. that season and it's the old one too little too late now don't get me wrong I was now an established another thing I think went wrong at Celtic was they took me out of the youth team I would say a year too early I was still eligible to play in the youth but they took me out of the youth team and put me in with the reserve so I was now in the reserve dressing room mm-hmm. um, whereas I think I would have liked to have just played another season with the youths maybe another won, won another you know Scottish Youth Cup or won another league or whatever it was but instead, I was I was now in with the reserves, and the reserves can be a little bit of a no man's land, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at it now, that could have been something that affected my progress. But that being said, anyway, by the by, I have this season. My my wife had at that time who was my girlfriend. She moved down to live with me in Glasgow, mm-hmm. and I honestly think that sorted me out with regards to how I was living um, because I remember Kenny McDowell went in for a shower after training one day and Kenny says to he says here he says uh, Keo he says have you found God <laughs> and I says what do you mean he says, he says have you found God he says because you've been you've been phenomenal as of late and I'd says to him I said well you know the missus has moved down with us and he said I, he says, well I think that's been a godsend for you he says because it's the best I've seen you and I agree and I totally agree when I look back at that last season, it was the best that I'd played. Mm-hmm. But at that point then, I think Martin O'Neill had sort of his mind made up on me anyway. It was one of them. When he spoke to us, it was like he liked my enthusiasm for the game, but said there was just no way I was going to break into that team, which is cool. You know, that, that's the way it was at the time. Yeah. But it's just that it's a bit soul-destroying knowing that I came good too late. <laughs> you know, I had a good, I would say, at that club, I had a good first two and a half years, a dodgy sort of year and a half, and then a good end bit before I left. Anyway, as I get told that I'm going, I've got these two agents. They're adamant that they want me to go to St Mirren. They must have a connection there, right? St Mirren. St Mirren, oh, I've got teams looking at you from down south. St Mirren, St Mirren. Just at the end of the season. So at that time, it was Tom Henry was the St Mirren manager. Yep. So I'm like, right, okay, let's see what's happening there. Now, when I mentioned forfer, the forfer thing is as as heartbreaking as it was to me um, to go on loan there. You know, it didn't feel right. However, it was actually quite good. It was quite good. You know, I got a few goals. We stayed up. They they never got relegated. It was a, it was a relegation dogfight, and I got exposure to first team football. You know, so it was. I think I played something. It was like the last 12 games of the season or whatever it was and Neil Cooper actually got on the phone to me and 
you know, he was getting wind of I was going to be leaving Celtic, and he said to me, "Why don't you come back here to the end of the season, um, get yourself in the window, and see what happens next season?" And actually, that would have been my preferred option. I know it was second division, but because I knew the place and I knew Neil Cooper, who I respected, mm-hmm. who was a top coach, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's what I would have done. But because I had these agents in my ear I've went with the old St Mirren thing now I goes to St Mirren and I sits down with Tom Henry and Tom Henry goes right we're scraping the barrels so we can't give you any money he says so we know you got a a payment an ex-gratia payment from Celtic which is basically paying you up your pay until then you know until the end of your contract Uh you know in a long term it was only, you know, what would it have been? A couple of months pay. Um, so I really, really, because I was young, just a young guy. And I've got these agents who are meant to be looking out for me. And they're thinking that this is a good idea, you know? <laughs> so, I, so I goes to St Mirren for no money, for nothing. And I went there and he was saying something about, uh, you know, it's a hard league and this and that and that thing. And that's cool. It's going to be a step up. It's first team football. But they're now, they're struggling at the foot of the first division at that time, St Mirren. So, whatever, I goes with it. First game is Wraith Rovers at home. At that time, Nacho Nova was at Wraith Rovers. Of course, I. Yeah, yeah, that's spell He was playing that day. Yeah. And um, so I starts on the bench. And again, even that annoyed me. I'm like, why am I. You see it a lot. People get a move and they start off on the bench. But I knew that if I'd have just went to Forfar, although it was a league below, I'd have just been playing under mm-hmm. Neil Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, by the by, I comes on with 20 minutes to go. And actually, my father-in-law always references it. Whenever I speak to my father-in-law about the footy, he always references this game. So it's the best I've ever seen you. At 20 minutes. At 20 minutes at Love Street. Best I've ever seen you. And... Uh, I don't know who it was but the ball goes down the line I'm playing centre forward ball goes down the line I goes makes the run into the channel to get and the guy comes right through the back and completely does my ankle right and he does it but I sort of jump up again young and enthusiastic and I'm stamping on it you know the old way I'm stamping on it I try to shake it off well I know my ankle's actually gubbed you know it's gubbed and I'm stamping on it and I'm trying to run it off. Runs tries to run it off for the next, you know, couple of minutes and it's it's a no go. It comes off, my ankle's up like a balloon. So there's only at this point here now, there's only six weeks to the end of this season. That's me, I'm out, that's the ligaments in my ankle gubbed. I've got I'm not making any money. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting paid, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm not I'm 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 not gonna be playing out at the end of the season. So the Carly Thistle thing comes in. The end of the season comes. I'm trying to get myself back fit for the start of the next season. I've got no club at this point because St Mirren they sign me to the end of the season on no money, but they're still they're on the phone. The agents are on the phone saying, "I think St Mirren are going to want you for next season." So they did actually ask me to come in the start of the following season for some money. Um, I hope I. I well, I'm just I'm just getting back from my, my uncle injury at this point. Okay. Um, and I come in. And I think they had a game against Norwich. Malky Mackay was at Norwich at the time. I had a pre-season friendly against Norwich, and I, I played like half an hour. No, no, I played the second half. 
and I was out, I was out of shape. It was it was hard work. For, Forty five minutes for me at that point was hard work, <laughs> and uh, that that was it. So they offered me this contract. It was poor. It was a poor contract. Um, and I think it was basically based on me getting back fit and how many games I was going to play and what the money would be. But then I goes back to my, I was living in Bishop Briggs at the time in Glasgow, and I get a phone call from Steve Patterson. Okay. Me, and I can't remember how he got my number, but he phoned, he must have phoned, he, he maybe did phone my mobile. He called me anyway. Um, and he basically asked me to come up for a, for a trial, see how see how I got on, see what I thought of the place, and see how you know what they thought of me. Um, and I went up straight away. I basically went up, and there was a game. There was a game <laughs> against Lossy Mouth away, and Lossy Mouth actually beat us. I mean, I think the boys were hard playing. You know, I was playing Richie Hart. Who, by the way, this was the first time I met Richie. Richie Hart's a right good mate of mine. But I remember that night going, "Who's this guy?" Because he was phenomenal. Richie Hart was on the right wing and he was amazing. He he just uh, signed just as well. He signed that summer, did he not? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. And he was phenomenal, right? But then Charlie was playing. Barry Robson was playing with Dennis, with Paul Ritchie, um, with Big Bobby at the back. Stuart Golabic, you know. And uh, good team. I remember coming off thinking, by the way, not the best. <laughs> games and they offered me a contract pretty much uh, straight away and I just had to go and sort of tie off a few loose ends down in Glasgow um, with regards because I had a house I had a house in Bishop Briggs and my um, wife who was my girlfriend at the time she had to sort it all out and, and uh, she never actually moved up with me straight away she moved back to Aberdeen um, with her mum and dad until I got sorted up here um, because when, when I first moved up here, they put myself, Richie Hart, Mark Brown, who signed that season as well, yeah, yep. and young Brian Gulfillan in a house um, in Inverness. We, we lived together in a house for that season. Okay. So that was the start of it. That so, was the start under Steve Patterson. So that was just a live, uh, that was just a quiet house where you you all went home and did crossword puzzles and, and chilled uh, out, aye? Punch to the face, 
so um, I I think the first round with Spider I had uh, 16 ounce gloves on and I've sort of went easy and I'm throwing a few shots out but taking it easy I get uh, we swaps the gloves over and Spider starts un- unleashing and he starts unleashing shots to the head with these 16 ounces on so that would fly the by so Spider had a good time says to me at tense, we need to do this more often we need to get smarter and go get ourselves into fighting shape I was like alright cool so I goes back to Aberdeen for the, after the game I went back to Aberdeen for the weekend and I goes into a powerhouse in Aberdeen I get another pair of 16 ounce right? <laughs> I goes back up the Ross and Spider we're good for uh, sparring I've got another pair of 16 ounce gloves I says I've bought you a gum shield as well <laughs> we get we get to gear. Spider comes round to the house. He's got the towel and the shower gel, and that he's all ready to go. Proper training session. So put it this way: it was me unleashing the fury. <laughs> Spider developed a hematoma in his eyeball. <laughs> I was going to say Ray Moore is his next visit. Uh, well, that's uh, says there's no way I'm letting him away with this week. He's getting some this week. So he's never he's never lived that one down, Spider. So yeah, that was that was the house of pain. Um, myself, young Brian, Bruni, and uh, Harty. But once it got to the end, that first season now for me, if I remember right, Steve Patterson, um, he got his move to Aberdeen sort of halfway through that season. That's right. Yeah, we, we've had them. Um, we've had Pelly on the podcast, and we've had a lot of players that have played under him. You obviously, yeah. you know, spent a couple of months with him. Yeah. He obviously phoned you to, you know, to bring you up the road uh, and and signed you yeah. for Cali before he moves to Aberdeen. But what are your, what are your experiences right. of of working with uh, right. Pele in those couple of months? Right. Well, Pele, top guy first mm-hmm. and foremost. Right, top guy. But for me, you know, and I was method in his madness. The way he got, you got, you got some great results at Cali and that. Right. But I don't know if it was a combo of. I think when I left Celtic I actually deep down I was just devastated in reality you know I was trying to crack on but I think I was devastated by how I'd allowed myself to you know get where I'd got to and not progress the way I wanted to but anyway that aside the way Pelly ran things he was very laid back and he had a big dunk with him as well Mm -hmm. Um, who by the way dunk cheerer um what a finisher even <laughs> in training any ball that came his way he would just rifle into the neck the top finisher but him and Dunk did a very laid back style and it never really worked for me it never I never I think what happened my first you know few months at Cali with Pepele I got in the team pretty sharpish played away at St Johnston I was playing at home against Falkirk and uh, for the first and only time in my career, even to this day, I pulled my hamstring mm-hmm. against Falkirk, right? And I was playing well and I was enjoying it. I liked the whole vibe. I got on with all the boys straight away. Um, at that time, you know, I could see what the style Pelly was. I could see he was laid back. Um, and it was cool. I liked everything about it, right? But I just pulled my hamstring in the second half against Falkirk. Now, see from that moment, so at this time I'm playing as a centre forward. Now, I never, that wasn't my preferred role. I never preferred being a centre forward. Mm-hmm. When I was at Celtic, when I first went down to Celtic, I would sort of mix up between uh, centre forward and sort of right midfield role. Um, but then, once I, 
That's I pulled my hamstring. Dennis and Paul Ritchie, dream boy. They went on probably the best goal scoring spree of their careers. <laughs> and I, I spent <laughs> I spent the rest of the season getting five minutes here and there, you know, um, coming coming off the bench. And it was just because I, I I truly believe at that point. Cause I remember that game against Falkirk. Big John Hughes was at the back. Yogi, I. Mm-hmm. I I and, and you know I felt good, and I, I think if that never happened, it's the old one. I, I maybe would have went on. It, have a better season myself um, but that's by the by that season sort of came and went but John Robertson came came in yep with, with, with the whole Pelly thing like I say I felt as though as much as that worked for the majority of other guys and it did it did it worked for me I don't think it placed enough emphasis on me that I had to do more or I had to do better um and, and henceforth I never and I think I became a bit lax over that few months and then Robo came in now when when Robo came in it was it was back to what I was used to mm-hmm. I remember him I remember him coming in and he sorted out a um, like a bounce match at training and I went and I, I played I played well and I got a goal for the, for the first half there would have been like a start in 11 that you would probably predict would start on a Saturday mm-hmm. against against you know another 11 and I was in the other 11 and I've got a goal and we're 1-0 up at half time and then the second half he takes me out of that 11 he puts me in the start in 11 and then I scored for the, so the game was 1-1 I'd got both goals so after training Robbo pulls me in and he goes uh I know you've not had the best start to this season, um, but I remember because he was at Livingston when I was at um, Celtic, and we right. actually used to play our reserve games at Livingston's uh, pitch. Okay, that's where our reserve games are played. So he, he'd seen me, you know, when I was from a Celtic time, and he went right. I remember you from Celtic, and that, you know, so if you can give me some of that form what you had then, um, and you know, keep pressing and keep working. If you're doing well enough, you'll get in the side, and you, you know, if you've done what you've done today in training you'll be pushing to get in the side. So it was cool. So I was it sort of back on. Fast forward, a, fast forward a few weeks, right? And we're due to be playing, I think this was something at Christmas time, so I don't know if this would have been New Year or Christmas, but it was the Ross County game. Okay. And it was it was due to be at Cali Park and it was frosty. Um, the game had called off. So my wife, Lisa, was up for the game I think she might have been pregnant actually with my first anyway um, she's up and we're, we're, we're sitting we're all out a lot, all the wives and that are there and we're sitting at the bar upstairs at Cali Park Robo comes over and he's chatting away I introduce him to the, the wife and that and he says to me so he, t- he turns to me and he goes so when am I going to see it <laughs> I says see what now here's the thing I'm thinking to myself this whole time that Rob has been there, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm going to get in the side because mm-hmm. he's told me what he's wanting, and I'm and I'm doing it, right? He goes, when am I going to when am I going to see it? I goes, see what he goes. Well, the Liam Keel from Celtic. I says, well, I thought I, I thought you're happy. He goes, no, no. He says you're just not giving me it. <laughs> and I, I thought I was giving him, you know, what he wanted, and I started. But little now, I always say about Robbo, unbeknown to me, I'd like to think. That was him working me 
he was he was working me there mm-hmm. and 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 I'm the type of guy or player you you hear the old one the guys there's guys need the arm around the shoulder and, the, and then there's the other guys well I'm one of the other ones I think I need I need told I'm not getting in I need told I'm not doing well or mm-hmm. something I need that to, to get the best out of us so I'm working away I'm working away I'm working away and he would do Robo would do things Robo would put I remember I can't remember where we were but whatever it was it might have been just before a game or going for a pre-match meal or we were waiting to get back on the bus and I was standing with a couple of, I think David Began was there and Robo comes up to me and goes how am I meant to play you? <laughs> and I goes what do you mean Gaffer you know how am I meant to play you? Uh, where am I going to play you? And I'm, and what am I meant to say? <laughs> what are you, Ags? What are you meant? What are you meant to say to that? But I'm only, I'm only twenty year old. You know, twenty, maybe twenty one. I'm still a young guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to go shouting the odds. So, and then he goes, uh, "Who are you better than?" <laughs> now, obviously, none of these. I can't answer any of these questions. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say anything to any of them. So that was it. Big, he's got in the bus. He says, "Liam," he says, "I can't believe you be saying that." I go, oh. I know, <laughs> whatever. So then I'm working hard again. I works away all, all season, and the sort of season comes and goes. I doesn't ever really get in the team. I think I got in. Um, I seem to remember playing against Clyde from the from the start. But I was only. I think I maybe started throughout the whole season four games. And the end of the season comes now, right? And Robo comes up to me. This is my first season, mm-hmm. and Robo comes up and he goes, right, Liam. He says, see that there, see that season there? He says, forget it, just forget it. Put, it. put it to the back of your mind, he says. And do you know what? He says, go away over the summer. He went, don't worry about your weight. Don't worry about your condition. Don't even think about football. He says, go on holiday, do what you like, eat what you like, he says. And then just come back and we'll get you fit in that next season. Just forget about everything. So as he's saying that to me, I'm standing looking at him and I'm going there's absolutely no way that's what I'm doing because if I do that and come back there's absolutely no way I'm getting him because you've just been saying to me before who are you better than where are you going to play mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and, and, and then you're going to ask me to come back in completely out of shape not even thinking about football <laughs> but you're going to get now again though I think he knew what he was doing that's psychology is finest isn't it it was it was a it was a big risk really to do something again. Like I say, I was still a young guy, mm-hmm. but I went away. Um, Lisa was yeah, Lisa was heavily pregnant at this point. We went and we had a, a little holiday in Spain, and I never I never touched a drop of alcohol. I never I watched what I was eating the whole. Let's say it was five weeks we had off or whatever it was at the time, and I got into in the best shape I'd been in since probably the first couple of seasons at Selig and I came back for pre-season I just ripped up I ripped up pre-season um, I was top you know top well, top of everything we done mm-hmm. I was the fittest guy in the room and I'd spoke briefly to Parky at the time he'd, he'd been talking to me about positions and, and I told him that I wasn't totally happy with playing up front and I told Rob Robbo as well which they sort of they understood to be fair they spoke to me about it but then that season now I actually made it a real 
option where they're going right where, where can we play him you know whereas before it was Robbo going here, where, where am I meant to play you now Robbo's looking and going right where, where can we play Liam yeah yeah. so they have to so fit you in the team in training now in, in training I'm purposely drop, drop myself back into midfield whenever I can um, and I've let it be known to Robbo that's where I want to play mm-hmm. now again he made me work for it now I remember actually I remember going on a bit of a spree I was, I was having, so the start of the season comes I'm not on the side I'm still working to get in the side I'm not on the side um, so I'm having to play reserve football and I'm banging the goals in I'm banging them in from midfield and I seem to remember I remember speaking to Parkey and having to remind him here and I remember the numbers I said I've got 11 goals in 9 games and, and Parkey never knew and I was raging <laughs> I was raging he doesn't know I've got 11 goals in 9 games so Robbo comes up to me the next day training where I was, I was away to warm up and Robbo goes aye Parkey's saying uh, you've got 11 goals aye uh, see Liam he says that's consistent he says but I'm needing prolific <laughs> 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 I'm going this is never happening it's, it's right but like I say that sort of thing egged me on yeah, egged yeah, me yeah. on so I was relentless and my chance came I think um, Hart had a problem with his groins at the time um, there was a couple injuries that, that actually led to me getting my push and then I got my push and then that was the best season I ever had was that season. Well, that season you you played thirty four times for for Cali Thistle. You scored three goals that season as well, and and probably yeah. the 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 big the big moment for yourself and uh, you know having worked for the club and I remember you know compiling uh, you know the the program and uh, and there's pictures around the place as well and it's that iconic moment at Clyde uh, second last game of the season. We've spoke to a few guys about their day, but. But none that have, uh, that have well, we've not we haven't spoken to someone who's scored in the game yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. You hit the ball from eighteen yards out. It's a decent strike as well. A, a massive game. Uh, you put Cali Thistle one up at the time. Tell us about the the, the feeling because the celebrations afterwards. You uh, you flex the muscles, shall we say, and uh, the, the tops uh, off. And did John Robot and book you for that? Uh, I got booked. I got booked, but do you know what's actually very disappointing? The only, it wasn't so much the flexing of the muscles. I'd actually just got a new Maori tattoo on my back, and I was hoping there'd be a tattoo from from the other side, a, a photo from the other side, so you could see the tattoo. It wasn't to be, but um, yeah, no, that that day again when I was on about Celtic, when I was talking about Celtic earlier on, mm-hmm. how there was a big emphasis on winning that season. But no panic. I, that's what I would. That's how I would refer to the day versus Clyde. I remember it was, you know, it was a nice day. It's hot, but there was nothing. There was never. I can't remember feeling like we weren't going to win. I was total air of confidence, and I, I, and I am talking for myself, but I think I'm talking for the squad. I'm talking for the team. There was a total era confidence of us that season but in particular that day we'd already done Clyde we'd done Clyde at Cali Park like 3-0 three, three or 3-1 um, earlier on in the season so we knew we could uh, there was a thing there was a thing with Clyde I would say the season before that where they bullied us they would they would bully us the big uh, Pat Q and that playing for them physical side big Carnahan um, 
and they had the ability to bully, but they never bullied us that year. The season we won the league, we were we were able to bully them as well as outplay them, and we were really good. If you look back at some of that footage of that game, we were really good on the on the counter. You know, Bruni dishing the ball out at pace. You know, to the likes of Golly, and Golly would just go flying up the line. Next, you know, it's into Bingy Lane off the midfielders and out the other side. You know, it was pretty efficient football that we were playing. Mm-hmm. And I just think that day, um, anything that we were good at, we done. Yeah, you can. You, I mean, the highlights are worth uh, watching again. I've watched them a few times, uh, especially when yeah. speaking to guests. I've been involved in that as well. But I, I think it was Barry Wilson I talked to about this game and he just said that Robbo gave you the belief which is what you're saying yeah. there that you know the team uh, knew that they would they, they would win when you said there that's your favourite season um, of all time you know that that game and then the week after I'm sure that's a you know a, a fortnight if you like that'll, that'll live with you forever totally it was um it was magnificent but you, you mentioned Barry Wilson there but even if you mentioned some of that guys like Bingham I mean Dennis Wynes was brilliant but Bingham was brilliant mm-hmm. Bingham you know you could run off of him and <laughs> it's funny actually Bingy whenever we've met up again afterwards we've had a reunion before me and some of the boys mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we'll speak and I'll often bind Bingy up saying oh, you know you never laid me off here you never laid me off there and he and, and I just let it be I just let it go Bingy reckons I got about 15 goals that season <laughs> I only got three right but I, I think I think that's probably largely due to maybe even training I mean even training the standard was high mm-hmm. you know and you'd be playing and you'd be playing with Bingy and be rifling things in and shooting afterwards everything was top draw top quality Barry Wilson that's what I was going to touch on there I was playing we were playing like a 4-3-3 and uh, I was right of the three in midfield. And Barry was right of the three up front. Mm-hmm. And it was just a awesome outlet. It was the, for me to be able to take a touch and turn and fire it out to Baz. I mean, sometimes it'd be the old fire it out to Baz and then go around him and he'd play me back in or whatever. But he was just always available, always willing, and always uber confident mm-hmm. was Baz. You know, total belief. Bingy had total belief. Um, Paul Ritchie, total belief. Goal machine. You know, you had toughness and the likes of Stuarty Golubek. You had, you had Roy McBain, who was brilliant on the ball. Hardly ever lost it. That day against Clyde with Ritchie Hart. It was actually one of the few times you'd myself and Ritchie Hart playing together because they sort of had me and Ritchie as being the same sort of type, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he had the pace, the power, the strike. Uh, big Bobby at the back was the brains it was just uh, top top side and like you say we went on then we won that game and actually to mention as well Stevie Hislop's goal I actually tee up um, Hizzy for his winner mm-hmm. so they equalised well always wind up procs for letting them in for the equaliser <laughs> I can't remember exactly how it went but it was, I think he fell asleep at the back post and somebody came in behind him and <laughs> he, he's gave away the penalty Um that by the by we go on we win that game and then we're on to St Johnston 
uh, and St Johnston is for me it's a mixed bag actually because I actually done my uncle again I actually came off at half time I think we were 1-1 at half time uh-huh, he scored right. first that's right yeah. and then Keegan Parker Keegan Parker actually scored a beauty I've went up I went up for a header, came back down, done my uncle, went in, it was like a balloon shove, came off. But thank God we went and we won the game. Which then, next thing you know, you're sitting in Magaluf Beach and I've got big toques rubbing my uncle for us. <laughs> you know, that, that, and that was party time then. We actually, we, we, there was two separate holidays, if I remember, there was, there was like six of us went to Magaluf the following day. Which actually is testimony to the, the fact of how confident we were. We mm-hmm. booked that weeks previous. Mm-hmm. You know, we booked that weeks previous. I remember being in town, as we did, we'd go, on, you know, predominantly on a Friday. Um, we'd go into town and get our lunch. And I'm going into town, like, we'll go to Margaloof at the end of the season to celebrate. And we gave big talks on the phone got him into town the Margaluf trips actually became you know it was Talkstar's travels he was the man that sorted the holidays out you know <laughs> um, so we got him involved and that was it like you say we beat St Johnston and 24 hours later we're sitting on the beach celebrating brilliant because that's what it's all about isn't it that the uh, you know the celebrations the moments you know and, and, and that's what uh, that's what uh, that's what you're in football for you know but that season never that was that was when we went to the semis versus Dunfermline as well, is it? That's right. Yeah, um, uh, you know there the, the was there was back to back cup finals, and uh, right. your first two back to back semi finals. Sorry, in your first two seasons yes. as well. And promotion, as we say, you, you know you ca- you captured the first division title. You go into the uh, the SPL you, yourself. You spend another uh, two and a bit years with the club in the in the top flight. Uh, the first season you play twenty four times before you know injuries curtail you the the following year as well. What's um, when you look back on the, the SPL uh, years, if you like, what's your memories of of uh, SPL football with Cali Thistle? And you you've gone through so many teammates there. What's your memories of of those teammates and and those great sides that you played in? Well, at that point there, we, we lose we lose Bingy, we lose. Bobby and we lose Paul Ritchie mm-hmm. um, and we gain Benny comes in Big Dodgy comes in there's a couple more I think first season as well is that when I, I don't know if actually you're Blackie and that came in then as well yeah oh no I think he was a year after right okay well we made a couple of signings um, and it was going to take a bit of time to sort of get used to it. what I never liked about what we done there right was we in the season that we done so well even against you know when we played Dunfermline in the semi-final at Hamden and in the replay at Pataudry there was no thing of oh, they're better than us so we need to do this it was more just um, you know go and do your thing and you'll, you might win the game Whereas I felt as though when we went to the Premier League, the attitude changed. And, you know, and like I say, I think Robbo brought the best out in me as a player. And, Par- and by the way, Parky needs to be mentioned in that as well, Donald Park. Yeah. Because he was an unbelievable coach, top coach. But I felt like when there was a couple of disagreements, you know, once we got to the... Uh, 
Premier League, I felt as though we were a little bit negative. I went to rather than it being four three three, it was four five one, and you'd Bainey up there in his own, you know. Whereas when I'm touching on the fact that I could open up midfield and look out, and there's Barry Wilson, you know, in a in an attacking position, and I can fire it up to him, or you can fire it into Bingy or, or Dream Boy. All of a sudden, you've only got Bainey to hit now, and Bainey's got a thankless task up there in his own, and you know. It's like his first season, mm-hmm. um, and the attitude was—I didn't like. I'm not. I remember having this meeting. We had this meeting, and it was to do with. It was probably the. I can't remember if it was the first season, the, the premier or no, right? But just to give you an insight as to what I'm meaning here, the, they were talking about how you look at your opposition. You know how, how you look at the opposition, and I just felt like we looked at the opposition too much. You know. At the time, Hibs had a great side. We always get decent results against Hibs, right? Yep. Hibs had the likes of, you know, Riordan, O'Connor, um, Scotty Brown, Thompson, mm-hmm. Gary Caldwell, Ian Murray, Whitaker. You know, they were loaded, right? But we're going there. We, we beat them. Uh, I, I remember beating them at Easter Road 2-1 with all them guys in the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it never crossed my mind to ever think this team's, or this guy's better than me. So, by the by, we're in this meeting, and it was getting mentioned, uh, Parky was talking, you know, you think about this player, is he left-sided, is he right-sided? And I said, well, I don't think about the player at all. I said, I, I just look at the, the opposition as an object, and I just think, how's he going to deal with my shit? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it. He's going to have to match me. He's gonna to have to match my runs, you know. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna to have to stop me getting in the ball, because I'm gonna do that to him regardless of who he is. So if it's, for example, if it's Paul Hartley, I remember I was playing against Hearts at Pataudry, and we just ran over them. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think it was, I think it was one-one. But ah, uh, I think there was a no. Did Hartley not get sent off that day? There was someone got sent off. There was, there was a few ins and outs I was kicking off I actually got a booking again down to Tokes because I was sticking up for Tokes cause he was going to get barbs from Kusnorbo or something if I remember right I remember getting into training that was, that was later on it was uh, uh, Brewster right Bre- Brewster pulling us up at training I, I says oh, that's Tokes' fault <laughs> I says I only done it because he done it <laughs> but, but, but by the by what, what, what I was getting at was my attitude had never changed from the first division days. Mm-hmm. I was still just looking at, you know, so the belief in your own ability. Aye, aye. I, I, I'm not thinking about how much better they supposedly are than us, if at all. I'm thinking that when we do our thing, we're right good, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to watch what they're doing versus us. It's a bit like. Um, Cali Thistle in years to come under John Hughes, you know when they. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of teams uh, in that that couple of years feared Cali Thistle because it was all about we we'll, we'll play the way we want to play, and other teams will have to um, adapt. You know, and I think that's it's been brave, isn't it? Well, Robo does does well. He, well, Robo gets his move to Hearts, and actually, actually. Um, he gets his move to Hearts. The game that I'm on about, Robbo was at Hearts. That's right. He was the, he was the Hearts. Yeah, he was the Hearts manager, 
um, when we played them uh, Pataudry. Um, but he gets his move, and Booster comes in with uh, Malky Thompson. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, it was a bit of a bedding in period. There's a lot of guys never knew how to take Brew and Malky. I actually really liked them. I like Brew was Brew was sort of mad for his um, fitness. Uh, he was very straight up and down. He looked after himself, hence why he was able to play for so long. Yeah. At, at a top level, you know that was his thing, and I never minded that. I was, I was on board. With it. Malky was like ultra positive. He was ultra positive, and I remember playing against Rangers at Pataudry, and again, I just felt like we were running over them, and Malky shouting. He was getting, you know, right into the game, and he's shouting on. He shouted me over, and he's like, "Yeah, listen, they're not as good as you." You know, yeah. which might have been an overstatement, but I remember him saying, they're not as good as you, you know. Go at them. And when you're in the middle of a game and you know that these are doing well, that can have an effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can, have a, you can have a team talk where all they're doing is talking about how good the opposition are. Aye, it kind of it, it's it's a bit of a negative. I mean, it's good to be prepared. Don't get me wrong, but you, totally the, you know, there's a wee bit of negativity might creep in as well and, and concern and worry too much. I mean, I I kind of yeah. Well, that's what I think happened. I think it got it went beyond preparing for the other team as to rather tell them how much better they are than what you are. Mm-hmm. And I and I never um, I never really liked that sort of thing and. I think when Brew came in for me, it was a breath of fresh air. With regards to they, they weren't thinking like that. They yeah, was th- they were. They were thinking. And actually, I think their first game, we um, Robo had actually dropped me by this point. He dropped me, and I was raging. He dropped me Aberdeen away. I wasn't in the side, but then he gets his move. He goes to Hearts. Brew comes in, and I'm straight back in the side for Hibs away, and we beat Hibs away and it's just like a right positive a good start but here's one for you now I actually when I eventually you know I'm growing problems and I was out for months I think a lot of my growing problems was down to trying to get there was, there was a game I think it was Motherwell at Pataudry I've came off the bench Rob has dropped me like I say I'm out the side now yep I comes off the bench I think we're 1-0 up and we get another goal we win 2-0 along that lines and I comes off and somebody comes up to me and goes I remember Robbo was shouting something on but after we'd scored he was shouting something on I just finished celebrating with the boys and I didn't know what he was saying um, and somebody says oh Robbo was giving you a hard time he was he was saying you, you were out of shape <laughs> you'd put weight on her and I think he was actually shouting at me saying you need to be getting up or you need to be doing this and you're not getting in fitness or whatever so I was now raging I was raging so I goes in after the game we've just won Robo comes up comes up to me he's selling you know he's got up to everybody high five and he comes up to me he goes I, Keo, what I'm saying to you is um, I put you on for your energy and, I, and then I've just exploded and the two of us have had a heated argument in the dressing room okay now, after that, I don't think it was long until Rob actually got his move after that. It was maybe, the, honestly, like the same week. Uh-huh. But in my, in, in my mind, 
because he said that to me, it stuck. And that, that's what I mean. That's where Robbo had something for me. It made me think I need to get in better shape. I've I've let myself go. He's dropped me, so I've not been. I've I've you know spat the dummy out, and I, maybe I'm not in as good a shape. So I've went training high like a demon. I'm on about getting up early in the morning, running in the morning before I go to training, then going to training, and <laughs> and then doing more training after training. And I remember doing these inverted setups. I was at the gym with Hearty and I'd hook my legs on to the bench. The bench is up, you know, so my feet are up above me. Uh-huh. And I'm banging away at these setups, and all because I think I need to get back in the proper fighting neck here. And I remember my stump, like right down the bottom of my stomach being in bits, like like I'd done something. I'm battering on through it, you know? Now, that comes and goes. I'm battering on through it. I've got the pain. Robo leaves. He gets his move to hearts. Brew comes in, puts a bat on the team. But I'm now back on the team and I'm playing and my groins are in bits. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what's going on. I'm seeing groins. It was like up, low, low stomach, right across, right to left. And uh, four or five games, six games. I keep some place. I get in. I actually got in at Hibs. I think it was Roy McBain got injured. I came in for Roy and I kept my place. Play some right good games with we drew with Aberdeen. That was a right good one. We drew with Aberdeen and Pataudry in front of a full house over the festive period. We drew that's, with that's right, yeah. Aye, uh, drew with Rangers. Got some good results. Hibs away. Um, but then we get Dundee away, and I'm playing, and I've just got like I've just got like cement setting across my midsection. It was like there's cement setting, and every time I moved, it was cracking. And I was like, I'm in bits. So they've, they've took me off. And it's agreed, you know, after consultations. I was get I got some cortisone injections, nothing was working and it's you need to rest. You need to rest for like months and months. Osteoxpose, you need to, you need to rest. I'm like, wow. So a couple of months go by, I'm getting no better. I'm I, I remember going for a run in the treadmill going, I need to do something. I'm just resting, I'm not getting any better. And I went and ran the treadmill and I was just the same. I still had the pain. The cortisones hadn't worked. So eventually, Craig Brewster um, sends me down to London, uh, the surgeon, Mr. Gilmore. Mr. Gilmore, he, he came up with the concept of Gilmore's groin, and he basically told him I needed operations on, on both sides. Okay. Um, but that now, I get to the operations, uh, comes back, by the time I'm coming back, Brew now gets his move to Dundee United. <laughs> of course, so we're talking what two thousand and six. Aye, he, he he gets his move now. I must admit here now when I when I get myself back on the scene, once I get through getting back fitting up from my groins, and that's when the boys had all went to Norway and that way with Brew. I'd missed out because I was coming back from that surgery. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the pre-season trip that Richie Hart talks yeah, uh, yeah, talks so fondly of. Aye, all, all the shenanigans there. Well, I missed out the shenanigans. I wouldn't have been involved in them anyway. But however, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I get back. Brew leaves, and Charlie comes in as the manager, which I thought was uh, you know it was great. I remember speaking to Charlie at the time saying you should take that job because what was happening was actually was Charlie was actually doing a lot of the talking. Charlie was doing a lot of the talking. Let's say we were in a away game, we were at a pre-match meal, and then we would get the team would get announced and start saying 
you know, this team's good at that and the next thing and you're going to be playing here and this left winger does this. So Charlie, we didn't speak, Charlie always had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell he could be a manager. So I remember saying to Charlie, you should take the job and he did. Now he'd played with Charlie as well and I actually reminded Charlie recently little did probably he know but I sort of knew but I confirmed it recently I had a look at an old Celtic view I played in Charlie's testimonial when I was at Celtic right okay okay yeah I I played in his testimonial it would have been my first year I'd only been 16 at the time but we came up and played in his testimonial but it just so happens that the first reserve goal I scored against Kilmarnock for Celtic when it was in the Celtic view on the bottom of the same page was the announcement of Charlie Christie's testimonial. Jesus. So I, said, I, I, I took a photo of it and I sent it through to him. Anyway, when I get when I get back fit, Charlie, I don't know, I never, I never got, again, not that I mind, but he was making my work, you know, he was making my work to get in. But I was really chomping at the bit now. I'm like, I was like sort of uber confident. I knew that when I was going to get back in, I was going to do well, probably because I'd been out for so long with my groins, um, and I knew I just knew I was going to do well. But I was just I, I was getting frustrated um, that I wasn't getting in as soon as I would like. And I was letting Charlie know, you know, I would speak to Charlie about it. I was open with him, like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember right now that Charlie come in midway through. A season. Yeah, yeah. Um, midway through season 05-06, but, but January time, then the January, something like that. Yes, uh, right, aye, that's right, because I then, although I was back fit for quite a bit of that season, a lot of people still thought I was injured, because I wasn't featuring at all. You know, I'm on about, I wasn't on the bench, uh-huh. or anything, and... I was getting frustrated. I was playing, playing reserve football and that, so I was taking over my fitness. My fitness was top drawer at this point. Um, groins were good. And then the, the split comes. So when the split comes, I think we... Had we secured... No, we were, we were seventh. Now, this is something that I'm going to touch on as well. I think... Parky was in with Charlie as well, was he? Parky, he was, aye. Was he, he was. Yes, right. Well, we had another one of these meetings when um, we're talking about, you know, what we wanted to do with regards to... We were X amount of the way through a season and it was brought up. Where do you where do you think we can realistically finish? Where would you like to finish? So, they're going round the boys and the boys are all saying... Sixth, but in my brain, I'm going. I but sixth just means you've made the top six. So that means you can get six, get in the sixth place, and then lose every game. Mm-hmm. I says, whereas, so I said fifth. I remember, I remember parking up, looking and as if say, I, you know, whatever, Liam, <laughs> you know. But to me, it was a genuine. That was my mindset. That uh-huh. was like sixth to me isn't positive. Six is great. I great. We've made the top six, but I want fifth. Turns out anyway, we're seventh, and I get back in the team. But again, like I said, I was chomping at the bit, and I just knew I was going to play well, and I did. And I went on, and I played every game at the end of the season. Done really well. Charlie spoke well of me. 
a few man of the matches and we never lost a game we never lost I think we, we finished with more points so that was a really good finish to the season but it was a long time coming because I felt as a you know as you should as a pro you know you, should, you know, if you're, if you're training hard and you're where you, you want to be you think you should be playing and that was me yep. so when I got in I, I done my job and Charlie let me know I done my job and he was happy with what I was doing so when the next season starts now Charlie signs John Rankin yep now Ranks for me and Ranks is another guy there's guys that I bring up to my boys J.P. McBride at Celtic Dennis Wynas Dennis Wynas gets a lot of mentions actually I tell my boys with Dennis Wynas all the time but John Rankin's another one John Rankin I played against him now when he was at Ross County always a very hard game just due to the fact that he was so sharp mm-hmm. so alert nice touch nice ability and when we signed him I'm going that's a good signing you know that's yeah. a good signing but you know now the competition's ramped up you know the competition's probably ramped up with Rankin coming in so he comes in again I've came in fit as a fiddle ready to go we goes to Italy mm-hmm. pre season trip is that the uh, this is the one that Richie Hart says he's we're all in the town celebrating <laughs> well, Italy's World right. Cup win well, that, that's it Italy's World Cup win you know you <laughs> couldn't have wrote the script right we goes to Italy the weather's great and there was a couple of things went on now I've spoke to Charlie and about these things since then you know about my sort of personality like I say I would like to think sometimes I think I'm a pessimist a lot of the time I think I'm positive but maybe my positivity is just different to what other people deem it you know <laughs> point being we arrive in Italy the weather's beautiful the hotel's beautiful there's a swimming pool in that there and Charlie's you know Charlie's wanting to be the consummate pro and he's like Right, listen, lads. Don't want any of the guys down sunbathing at the pool. Now I'm looking at Richie Hart. I'm going here. Well, I'm in Italy. I'm in Italy here. We've got the pool. Now I know. I'm looking about the boys. And like I said before, I'm like, I reckon I'm the fittest guy in the room. You know, I'm not needing to. Uh, it's not like I'm needing to worry about my fitness here. You know, I, I, it's not like I'm having to really knuckle down and get myself back in shape. I'm there. Uh-huh. So I'm going. I'm in Italy. You know, we're here. We don't get to do this often. We'll get a little ball and that, and we'll go down to the pool and we'll do a little bit of heady tea in the pool. So, and all that, and I tell you another thing I was thinking on. I remember years ago being a kid and watching uh, a video, Gascoigne's Glory. This is, you know, this is before he became a teddy bear, actually. This is 19- <laughs> I was going to say, aye. <laughs> right. So, this is 1990, Gascoigne's Glory, and it was about his World Cup, his performance, how well he'd done the World Cup. Uh-huh. But it was showing you them all, the side, they were all at the pool, they were all at the pool, you know, knocking about together, and mm-hmm. it was great. And they were going on about the, you know, the antics at Gascoigne, that would get up to it, it was good. And that's the sort of thing, as a as a footballer, you know, that's what I'm thinking, I'm in Italy now, I'm thinking on Gascoigne's glory. <laughs> so, I've got myself and Hartie, and probably, Ike would have been there, no doubt, and, Stuarty Gollabeck that was our sort of unit if you like and we're down at the pool and Charlie's there and he's sitting in, he's sitting in the the shade a couple of other 
coaches, and he didn't look best pleased, <laughs> you know. But in fairness, in fairness to him, he never really said anything. He just let it be. Now, the thing is, I would go out to training. I think what I think what they were looking at was the sun taking it out of you, you know. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the sun taking it out of you, and whatever. But I'm thinking, well, you've, you've came early, so that's it. He lets us do our thing in, in the pool and that, and we goes to training. I'm putting it in and training. Let's say I'm at the front. I'm working away. Does well in the games. Plays the games. Has a right good week training. And then with one more game, if I remember right, it would have worked like this. I think the World Cup would have been on the Saturday night. The World Cup final would have been the Saturday night. We played our last game Friday afternoon. Okay. After a hard after a hard week's training. So, obviously, there was a couple of nice little boozers in, that, <laughs> in the vicinity of where we were. And I'm just a couple of boys, and we're here. You know, we've done our bit now. We're good to get a couple of pints. So I think somebody's run it by uh, the manager, Charlie. Uh-huh. And I think Charlie was like, well, no, I'd rather use never. And then, you know, you can have a few the, the night of the World Cup tomorrow night. Yep. Now, rightly or wrongly, we've not really took that on board. <laughs> we've, we've still went out. We found, you know, as you find anywhere, we found an Irish bar. And we all we all went out and we had a few jars and it was good. We get up in the morning. Now, I just want to say, we never took it to the extreme. Never took it to the extreme. We were just out having a few pints. And... Like I say, we'd all worked hard and we're all in a good place. She said, that was our last game. The following day, we were just going to be doing a warm down, you know, just going yeah, yeah. out to the hotel, running, running along to the park, having a stretch. That was it, right? So, it goes back and that's it. And then in the morning, I get up early. Here's me thinking I'm doing the right thing. I've got, I'd hurt my back in the game. I'd, I'd went into a challenge and came out and hurt my back. I said, I'll get up early in the morning. I'll go into the pool and I'll loosen off and get a few lengths in and I can get ready before, you know, do my own warm down prior to the warm down. Yeah. So I'm in the pool and somebody comes up and goes, oh, here, uh, do you remember last night? I was like, what, what's that? And he goes, oh, I think it was, if I remember right, I think it was, I think, Stuart Golabek, Baz, Dennis, might have been Peds, Russell Duncan. I think they'd been I think they'd been caught coming in. Whereas me and the boys I was with, we we never got caught, we just came in and went to bed. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it wasn't it wasn't super late or anything like that, you know? Um So they've been caught and they've got they got a reaming. They've got an absolute reaming. And they're gonna get running <laughs> this morning, you know, when we're all doing our warm down. So I says, Oh, I says, we can't we can't have that, you know. When the boys get told to step on the line for running, because I'm I'm talking about there was a good dozen of us that were there. You know, it wasn't just four guys; it was a, it was a dozen boys. Aye, it's, so we'll it's a team effort. Run, we'll all do the running. So, Charlie goes to the park and we're running. Out. Charlie goes right. All the boys that were drinking last night step on the line so instead of him having the four that he'd spoke to he's got 12 boys <laughs> and in fairness to Charlie he goes well I'll tell you what fair play to yes. fair play is for owning up but I don't know if in Charlie's head at the time you know, at the end of the day you've got to remember Charlie's 
now the manager of a Premier League side. Yeah. You know, and he's he's looking and he's going as much as he's thinking fair play is for sticking together. He's thinking I've got a dozen boys here who never listen to me. Aye. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Two sides of the so coin, that, aren't they? Aye, that's right. That's right. So that was it. That's the end of the trip. But the, the World Cup came and went, and um, we goes back. And I think we played Ross County the week before the first game of the season. Yep. Yep. At uh, Carly Park. And we'd, we'd done a number on them I seem to remember Derek Adams was still playing I played played well I think we won 3-0 and I get taken off after an hour now I'm thinking oh that's cool I'm in next week you know I'm, I'm, I'm taking me off uh, rest the legs ready for next week first game of the season so next week comes and I'm on the bench <laughs> <laughs> it was actually it was the day before it, it training he, he named the site and I'm going oh my god I can't believe it that's me god now I'm obviously thinking now back to to Italy yep. and I'm thinking oh you know is that, I've, I've just done myself there so that season I've went from thinking I finished the season before on fire I got my I came through that nightmare of the, the groins the injections the operations Got myself, worked myself back into the side, done well, had a, had a good pre-season until the point of going, ah, we can just have a few, you know? Yeah. And then, now, I might be wrong, you know, I might have I might have not been starting anyway um, this season, but I wasn't. Now, I was in and out the side, there was a couple of games I started, I seem to remember, um, the last game I started was actually against Celtic at uh, Cali Park, we drew 1-1 Big Grant he scored yep. um, he equalised against Celtic I think that was the last game that I started I maybe I think I started a cup game against Falkirk as well but I was in and out the side and Charlie spoke to me a few times and in fairness to Charlie he would say to me listen you're doing well um, I know what you know you know basically uh, there was very rarely Charlie could say you know you, you never played well for me there you know he knew what he was getting from it, but he'd obviously he'd signed ranks, and he obviously had the players that he liked, that he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, maybe I just wasn't um, his first choice. But he, me being me at the time, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be a squad player. You know, and that's what's going through my head now because I'd worked myself into the team under Robo, mm-hmm. got in there, and then had the sort of heartache for me of getting dropped and then getting back in under Brew. Yep. And then had and then had the heartache of being out due to the injury, and then working in under Charlie, mm-hmm. and then sort of felt like oh no, it's, I'm out again, and then I'm in and then I'm out and then I'm in. I was sort of in and out under Charlie, so it came to my head when um, I'd spoke to Charlie a few times about what was um, the plans with me and the team. I was in these plans, um, but at that point in time, I wasn't starting. Um, and then they offered me a new contract now at the time I think I and I would totally deal with this differently now um, I would totally deal with it differently when there was new con- contracts getting dished out at the time and when they offered me my one you know now here I wasn't driving any fancy cars you know, I, was in, <laughs> I was definitely not on any big coin but the new contract was just it was, it was a blip it was a blip of an increase okay and I remember sitting there looking and not even responding 
to what they offered me. I just sat and looked. And I think they just, Charlie, and they went, well, go and you know, speak to the wife about it and then get back to us. And to my memory, I don't think I ever went back. I never, I, I mean, went back to speak about that. I was obviously back in training and, and, and whatnot. But I don't think I ever responded to that offer. Right, okay. And then the next thing I remember, <laughs> it's funny, poetic symmetry, I've, I then had Steve Patterson back on the phone to me. He's now at Peter Head. Yep. And he's saying, he's saying, Liam, I'm hearing you, you know, you're having a hard time just now at uh, Colin, you know, you're more than welcome here, sort of thing. So when I went in, I think the next time I spoke to Charlie, he says to me, Well, I don't know if you know, Pelly's right keen on you. So I think Charlie, from my response to his offer of the contract, I think Charlie thought, Well, I don't think he even wants to be here. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't the case. And, I, and, and again, I've, I've spoke to Charlie about it since then. It was I, and it really, it was the polar opposite. I just, I had, you know something? Ironically enough, I think I felt like they never wanted me there, and that's why they offered me such a, you know, and it, it, was, a, it was a contract offer. I just thought it was a low offer. Yep. Yeah, and you've got to remember, I'm still, in reality, I'm a baby. What am I, I'm 25, 26. Yep. You know, and at, and at this point, I've not got an agent. And at that time as well, you know, my mother and father and I had moved to Spain. I wasn't like I was, you know, there was not really much um, with regards to top advice that I could go by. Yep. I was, you know, I don't know. I think I, could, I definitely could have slash should have dealt with that better. What I should have done is just, you know, went back in and says, by the way, you know, because you've not got an agent to do it. An agent would go in and say, no, he's wanting this. In reality, she just went and says, here, what, what about that? But I never, I never done any form of negotiating. I think I just gave the impression that I didn't want anything to do with it. So, uh, Pelly takes you to Peter Head. I'm yeah. keen to get your, your thoughts because you, you, you appear back on the scene in kind of towards the end of 2008. Um, you turned out a couple of times for Elgin City. Uh, we, we've had Aye. Robbie Williamson on the podcast before and a couple of guys that played under Robbie um, what's, uh, what was your, your uh, brief spell at Elgin like? Robbie, top guy top guy, a lot of time for Robbie and was actually the reason that I, I, I went with that because like I say, by the time my time finishes at Cali I can't be, at, that, at this point in time football, I can't be bothered with, I mean I'm on about to the point where I don't even want to watch the game at this point. You know, when I, when I finished, the Cali thing sickened me. Peterhead, like I say, came and went. I never done well. And I actually, uh, the way the reason I was able to get out of the Peterhead thing was because they couldn't uphold my contract. They couldn't go full time. Robbie, who I knew quite well through Stuart Gorbeck, mm-hmm. had... Um, spoke to me a couple of times I was now working offshore for Expro this was uh, on call basis so like I say I'm maybe home for a week away for three weeks maybe home for a few days and away for ten days you know it was it was one of them sort of jobs Robbie had says to me about playing for Elgin when I was home and I, you know I wasn't really training I certainly wasn't football training and it wouldn't have been a thing that I would have even thought of if it wasn't for Robbie um, because he'd asked me that's why I did it and I enjoyed it uh, Kenny Gilbert was his number two yep another good guy 
um, and I enjoyed it. And again, it was one of them uh, where they were they were struggling. I think Elgin struggled at times just due to the fact of where they are trying to get players. You get a certain amount of players that play for them that come from Glasgow or they train down the road and then they play the weekends and stuff. So I think they just struggled that way. Um, but on the whole, no, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing um, for Elgin. It's only six or seven games if I remember right. Robbie actually turned in his wings if I remember him and Kenny knocked it on the head and they quit. Yep. That's right, yeah. It was before um, Christmas. And, and, aye, and then Ross Jack came in. Mm-hmm. Um, another great guy. Top pro, um, right into, you know, players looking after themselves. Um, going well with him as soon as he came in. But the only bother was it was more due to um, work. I was just away all the time. I was away working on the rigs all the time. And when I was coming home, obviously now I was needing to train um, twice a week. And at the weekend, with the third division being the way it is, you know, a lot of the time you're away. You're away down in Glasgow. You're away all day on the Saturday. You're not going back till Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, so just at that period of time, I mean, I still would have only been 27, maybe 28-year-old. Yep. Um, was it so much to do with football or legs? It was more to do with the fact that I couldn't squeeze it and I couldn't commit to it. You know, I couldn't commit and be all in. You know, it wasn't all or nothing anymore. It was just something I was squeezing in when I was at home. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to um, Ross and just let him know um, I didn't. I didn't feel it was something I could, you know, fully commit to anymore. Um, but you know, if I if it was things were different, and as a lot of guys do, if it's whether it's Highland League or or for Elgin, and they they've got a job, and they they do the the football thing as well, then yeah. But my job was away; I was working away. I couldn't. It just didn't work for us. Now it's interesting because we've um, we spoke to a good friend of yours who's also uh, offshore as well, Russell Duncan. Um, yeah. And you know Russell obviously is is out of the game at the moment as well. He's you know quite happy. I think he's actually starting to get into some coaching. I think he said his daughter um, is uh, is is interested in football. You mentioned at the very start there. You know yourself. Um, you're you're obviously still working offshore, but you, you mentioned your, your your two boys. There's a Cali Thistle connection as well. Two boys, yeah. Both my boys are um, doing well. My boy Shay, he's uh, thirteen. He's been there for five years and. Uh, my youngest boy Luke he's uh, nine years old so he's doing well um, so they both play for the club I they both pull the jersey on and I just uh, hope that they go they go on and pull it on for real as they, as they get older well the way it's uh, uh, the way it's looking amazing. there might be another John Robertson well John Robertson might be uh, might be having another keyhole under his wings you never know <laughs> well, well that's it uh, I just wonder what we deal with him you know <laughs> Because they're they're not sort of wired up the same way as I am. I don't think. <laughs> you might have to. You might have to readjust. I I think they I think they um they'd be far easier to motivate I think than uh, than me. <laughs> Liam, uh, it's been brilliant. It's been really good to speak to you. Awesome. Uh, some some really good uh, some good memories, some good stories of your time. Richie Hart uh, was was true to you as well. You didn't disappoint. That's for sure. Uh, Liam, awesome. brilliant to chat to you. Uh, thanks for your time Austin thank you
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. It's at Highland Weekly. Or like us on Facebook, HFW Podcast. <laughs>